Please. I don't know. Why are there so many beanies that are in Brisbane? Hello listeners, welcome to the Cellar Dwellers podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to the best of the worst of Australian rules football. My name is Sam, I remain a football tragic up in Carlton, uh, and I'm joined as always by the very happy Geelong stalwart, Chris, Chris, say hi. Hello, hello, what a week to be back. Uh, Some pretty good matches, Um, not many good ones down at our end of the table, but... uh, down in the cellar, it was a week where things really went as you thought they might. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and some real form setting in into the bottom four. Mm. Uh, and that lies ahead of us. But, Chris, I just wanted to touch on one top story in the mm. news, which not mm. many people are going to cover at the moment. And that's the announcement that uh, Cara Donnellan is going to be the captain of the uh, West Australian women's team at mm. the exhibition match in June. Um, and, you know, that's great news in and of itself. But the, the best part about it, the, the AFL in their sort of press release style story about it has buried the lead to the end. And that's what she says. She happily admitted to boldly introducing herself to the dual Brownlow medalist after bumping into him at a St Kilda kebab shop. This is talking about Chris Judd. I, I have seen, yeah. this, this, seen this one. St Kilda yeah, kebab shop. Yeah, no, she's, a big, yeah. She, yeah, she's, a big, she's a big Chris Judd fan and yeah. she admits to, to bumping into him yeah. after a late night out. At, at a mm. Addison Gilda kebab shop. Mm. I don't know what I would do if Chris Judd was in my late night kebab shop. How does he get around doing that? <laughs> Just boldly putting himself in the public hey, where I might drunkenly run into. How him. does how does it happen with Anthony Kudafidis? Kudafidis owns, or at least owned at some point, a significant stake in a kebab shop chain. You know that's dangerous. So you know, they've, they've got a, a great picture of Cara Donnell and the female mm. Juddy in action uh, as accompanying the story, but. Uh, the uh, jersey that she's wearing is, of course, the traditional West Coast Eagles one, so it looks horrendous. Another, another piece of design crime that's gone on uh, with the announcement today of that truly horrendous uh, new $5 note that you can all look forward to seeing next year. Hey, now, in defence of the $5... This is... Un- we're going to cut this, right? But in defence no, of the no, $5... No. <laughs> this is what the people want. In defence of the $5 note, <laughs> it only looks horrendous because of the Reserve Bank's appalling presentation. Right. Putting the, because putting what the blue the, background behind the bit that was clear was extremely it's confusing. So dumb. With, Everybody's with no like, explanation. why is it blue? It's like, so you can see the bits that are transparent? I don't know. Like, just take a real photo of it in front of a real background. Don't half ass it. Just get Glenn Stevens to go up to the podium and just throw it in the air. <laughs> Make it rain. <laughs> And then people will love it because it's free money. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and journalists love free money. Yeah. Well, that was a crime. <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of crimes, though, Chris, let's, let's talk Essendon Football Club. You know what the worst crime was they committed, other than losing, was just playing. That, God, that game was boring. It was, it was so, so boring. Dull. Oh, my God. Robbie Gray was the only good thing about that game. And he was really good, though, so... Yeah, I mean, that's like... He's always pretty good. He was really good. Mm. Uh, but we can guarantee he'll get one vote and they'll give, you know, two votes to Darcy... What's his name from Essendon? 
be a blonde kid who appears to attempt to tackle people in the same manner as an udon noodle. Cooked or uncooked? Ramen-esque. Just the whole thing for Essendon in that game was a real example of depressing mediocrity. Mm. Like, the victory against Melbourne was tremendous, and then was it this week was a like, reminder of what... I don't know that it was tremendous. I just think what was tremendous is that they won, right? Yeah, exactly. No, they didn't play very well. <laughs> I don't think it was a tremendous victory. I just think Melbourne was shit, and Essendon managed to get over the top of them. Um, so the thing that I don't understand in some ways with Essendon, seeing as this is, for, as everyone knows, fundamentally a lost season other than playing the kids, basically, because the, the one-year contract players that they've got, top-up players, the yeah. Matt Stokes, James Kellys, etc., they're not going to be around in the future. So why don't you start getting really weird strategically? Like, why don't they just play three minutes without putting anyone in the middle of the field? And just try and kick the ball eighty meters from the top of the fifty to the I other. I mean, that would be more end. enjoyable. Just do it, like just just for a minute and a half. Just just have it be, you know, for these for the next five ruck contests, we're not having a ruckman. Everybody stay down mm. and just tackle the life mm. out of them. No hand passing at all. If you hand pass, you will get dragged off the ground. Like just some weird things. Give the fans what they want and just kick it up the guts every time. No switching. No no moving the ball around the edge. None of this stuff. Like. Who cares if you lose? I don't think Essendon fans would feel that upset about that loss. No, but what are you, you know, are you teaching the kids the right things? Oh, I hate that. That's stupid. Teach them the fun things. Teach them that, yes, it is possible to move the ball up the ground using only banana kicks. <laughs> Any kid I see out there not banana kicking is getting 10Ks before training. Torps only. <laughs> like, if you, wanted, if you had a team of elite torpedo kickers... Oh, you'd be unstoppable. It'd be very worrying for the other team. <laughs> Kick it from the square every time. At least, like, you might, you might surprise them every once in a while just by doing something weird. Like, play no one over six foot two in the midfield. Yeah. No one. Just a bunch of really small people and see how it goes. Like, um, there's a lot at the moment in football, and I think it's probably right, that Ruckman are uh, increasingly dominant and important with the um, rotation cap in place, and they're spending longer in the middle of the field um, mm. and the ability to sort of endure and assist winning the ball in the middle as, and gives favourable service as tired midfielders stop being able to just simply latch onto each other <laughs> in the middle of the field as they just mm. as they don't have time to rest. Um, yeah. And that's sort of that, the, scr- the decline of the scrum and the fury. Why not challenge that conventional wisdom immediately and say, look, Jordan Lewis was pretty good last year just going third man up all the time. Mm. We're going to send three or four men up. Yeah. Always. Of our own. Everybody rucks or nobody does. Yeah. You know, know, just do really crazy stuff. Get weird. Just just designate the third quarter as the lunatic. The most. uh, 25 minutes. The most damning thing is that our mate, uh, the human tentacle uh, Ivysaur, didn't lay a tackle. I thought that was his number one skill. I don't think that the Pokemon. promo team at Mm. the Port Adelaide Social Club really saw much in that game. That was very much a a training training to head into the gym session. (laughs) Um, That was grindy against low-level monsters. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean... That was the Leaf Leaf gym. And Charlie Dixon only took one mark inside 50. Yeah, look, Charlie Dixon is interesting. Uh, Big-name recruit. Uh, But was uh, he ever that good? There was a lot of... Like... I know he's kicked a yeah, bag I mean, that's a couple the real of times. Like, but 
feel like he's a bit of a flat track. He could well be worse than the now long-term injury listed Jay Schultz, and that's saying a lot because Jay Schultz is actually Methuselah. So Shiraz Dixon needs to to figure his game out a bit, I think. Yeah, but I think I think you know fundamentally, an extremely boring game. Not surprising given that. John Warsfold was coaching one of the teams. All, all, ba- all bad. Uh, so we highly recommend watching the replay of it in full. <laughs> Another game that was very bad on the weekend was Carlton's performance against the Gold Coast Suns. Um, and now the reason it was bad, by the way, is not because they got thrashed, which they did, or nine goals. Uh, but no, they should have been a lot more. There should have been a lot more because Gold Coast kind of turned up to play. They're like, oh, yes, oh. um, but they still in the, potted, in, the, they in the late third quarter is when they finally yeah, woke up. Yeah, and they just went, uh, yeah, all right. It's really Carlton's. It's the same problem sometimes as existed under Malthouse, which is sometimes the team can look like it moves the ball effectively <laughs> because what will happen is it'll go something like Ed Kerno to Bryce Gibbs to Mark Murphy, and then things fall immediately apart in a terrifying and chaotic way. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then you know, the hand pass goes inside to Daisy Thomas, who tries to kick a running 60-metre torp up the wing. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the hand pass goes to Daisy Thomas, who decides that it's time to switch the ball backwards, even though you're on half forward yeah. uh, on a fast-break opportunity. It's, it's interesting, Carlton, there is, there's still enough talent there for them to sometimes look effective in moving the ball. And, and then other times it looks like it's a team that's really probably the worst in the competition. New recruits of, in particular, Weedering and Kerno. Weedering looks great. Kerno, mm. you've got to have the, hold the, uh, the, the judgment out. But I always love having brothers on the same team. So, well, maybe, maybe they'll uh, be the, otherwise. Maybe they'll be the Scots in a few years' time. You know, give them a chance. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Give them a chance. Uh, certainly, no reason to be to, to lack optimism about that. But it really, at the moment, <laughs> is just a, a situation where there are a lot of replacement level players out there for Carlton. It's just like if you went down to the VFL and called <sighs> someone up from, uh, you know, the Western Bulldogs team, they would play and be fine. God, you'd or, be, or be you'd no be, worse. You'd be um, pretty worried about, about Essendon in a few weeks' time. You might, you might get done. <laughs> yeah, it could be. That could be a really bad loss. The other thing I'd say for Carlton is that there's a lot of reason to be concerned that Blaine Bokehurst is Kane Lucas 2.0. Mm. Um, please explain, what that, please explain that is, what that means. Yes. Well, a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with the as intimately familiar with the with the depth of the Carlton list as you are. Yeah, the the blazing glory glorious career of Kane Lucas, who was a I think a top ten draft pick for Carlton. Can't even remember what it was about five years ago, mm. and um, never really got a game. Sort of ran around athletically, and then when it came time to either make a decision, made the decision very slowly. And got it wrong. Basically, mm. tossed a coin. Do I kick it here? Do I kick it there? Or do I, mm. you know, kick it to the opponent? And just really was uh, lacked lacked skills. And Blaine Bokehurst is uh, another recent high draft pick who's decided to grow his hair in the same way out as Kane Lucas had, and Uh-oh. appears to have acquired <laughs> the same predilection for meandering, confused runs slowly, diag- slowly diagonally away from the mm. middle of the field on the mm. wing, mm. in possession, sort of just gazing. Uh, lustily inside, thinking I'm going to do something with it this time. I'm going to do something with it this time, and then scuffing a kick 25 meters forward, uh, which bounces out of bounds to a to a to the fourth lead of the of the full forward, yeah, um, which it ignored before. So yes, I think he's a real what I would term a record scratch player. 
you know those players when they just get the ball and everything sort of just stops. Uh, you didn't really see it in the Hawthorne Bulldogs game, but boy, you saw a lot of it when Carlton gets the ball. They're kids and they're learning, so that's good to see. Uh, a bit dispiriting as a Carlton fan, though, really. And the other dispiriting thing to say is that uh, Cruiser, we have a problem. The the development of Matt Cruiser hasn't really come. A career beset by injuries and at some point who a man, a man who looked like he was going to potentially revolutionise the ruck position, the rule changes um, and injuries seem to mean that that's looking increasingly unlikely. Uh, there's a, a good reason to doubt now. He's still got really good hand and foot skills, but there's no explosion in his running. Um, there's no explosion in his leaping in ruck contests or anything like that. So larger ruckmen are just able to take advantage of his smaller frame. Yeah, it's interesting for Carlton. There's uh, uh, a, a couple of draft picks that are really looking like they, they haven't hit the spot. But Jacob Wiedering's the rising star this week, so there's, that's something to celebrate for Blues fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, something to not celebrate is probably the plight of the Brisbane Lions, um, who find themselves after three rounds once again winless and bottom of the table um, without really any wins in sight, you would think. Um, oh, they've got the Q Clash coming up. Yep. Anything can happen in the Q Clash. <laughs> it is Queensland. Well, you could tell me anything happened in the Q Clash and I would believe you. <laughs> maybe they'll bring Jonathan Brown out of retirement. Oh, maybe Jonathan Brown will just crash into the Gold Coast bus just running, <laughs> running the other way down the highway. Just shout, oh, no, no, Brown, at full just, speed. Just looking the, wrong, looking the wrong way at a bird as it flies overhead. Yeah, yeah. So With no regard for his own safety. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, so they got done by 69 points um, by John nice. and looked nowhere close to winning um, at any, any point. They, they looked like they were trying, which is something that they have struggled with um, admittedly, for some time, um, but they, yeah, really didn't come close. Um, Geelong kicked something like the first five goals of the match, um, or no, they kicked. Sorry, uh, they kicked six two um, for the opening quarter, and and were never, you know, Brisbane never really got close after that. Uh, it looked like a bit of a walk in the park at times. Um, Mitch Robinson. Was probably one of their better players, which says a fair bit. Miss Robinson beaten up uh, Sir Patrick Dangerfield. How'd you feel about that? Oh, yeah, fine. He can deal with it. He can deal with it. Picking up um, enough Brownlow votes to not worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, although Selwood got off the handle a bit as well, um, so maybe he didn't get as many as he would have thought. But, yeah, for Brisbane, I don't know, they really struggled up front and down back and in the middle. It was kind of an all-over-the-ground collapsed souffle um, would be the way to describe their game plan. Um, they kicked seven goals, 14. Yeah, look, they had a period of play in the first quarter where it looked like they were hanging with Geelong and that Geelong mm. stuck the jets on them. A few limited bright spots for Brisbane. Stefan Martin, I thought, was yeah, good. Yeah, Stefan Martin was good. Um, and but look, certainly, and, and, and Ryan Bastanak was good, um, and, and Dane Zorko uh, good as well. But Zorko, it's 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 they bottom out pretty quickly across yeah. the list. Um, it's it's they're very it's a very thin list. Mm. Um, still at Brisbane, the the, mm. the cupboard is 
bear. And the they crops, do, the crops they, have been eaten and they are starving through winter still. Yeah, and I mean, what they do have is some some promising young players in attack. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna take some time for Brisbane to develop. Uh, yeah, da- Daniel McStay in particular um, looks like he might he might get somewhere. We'll... So we've got uh, a number of uh, very defeated teams at the bottom of the ladder at the moment. Yes. Um, yeah. So obviously Fremantle's woes and what's shaping up to potentially be a horror mm. season for them continues. So the, qu- the question I asked to you, Chris, is so we've got Fremantle, Carlton and Brisbane still to win a game. Next week, Frio's got North. That seems unlikely. North, uh, North at home. Yeah. Uh, Carlton's got the Western Bulldogs, which might be <laughs> a real nightmare. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. And then uh, Brisbane's, yeah. Brisbane's got uh, the Gold Coast, who are looking probably good enough to get the points against them. So yeah. I ask you, which, which team's going to get their, their win first? Oh, Frio. Because they play Carlton. <laughs> round round five, Carlton Frio shapes up as the blockbuster we never thought we'd get yeah, to have. Yeah, that's going to get us some separation in the bottom four. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, it's Brisbane's turn to be sacrificed to the Bulldogs next week. And then uh, in round six, <laughs> let's look three, three weeks into the future, we've got uh, the big clash with Carlton and Essendon. Yeah. Um, shaping up with that's probably Carlton's best chance to get off, to get off the bottom of the ladder. Mm. Uh, but a, a real a real death spiral going on in the battle for the spoon early. Really promising to see that these two teams um, engaging uh, and bracing themselves for for the contest as it comes. Otherwise, I guess for Brisbane it, it starts to get pretty s- slim. Round eight against Collingwood starts to, to take on a fair bit of significance. Yeah, and actually, I mean Essendon play Collingwood in in um, round five as well. So. Um... If calling, if calling would have bad, are kind of edging. They're kind of edging on the bottom four. It's got to be said. Um, well, so. let's let's talk about Collingwood and let's let's mm. talk about them in in, in one particular way. And mm. I want to move on to our worst take of the week. Oh yes, uh-huh. please, please. Do you feel like you need to carry some momentum from one segment to the other? I really do. I need to. I need to act as if previous actions are determinative of the outcome mm. of future actions. Mm due to the psychological benefit of having undertaken those previous actions. Some of you may or may not be aware of this article. It's called AFL's First Three Rounds Show the Compelling Force of Momentum. It's published in The Guardian Australia. Which should tell you to, you know, just the Guardian writers try hard. They're the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, well, this is definitely a freelance. So this is uh, a freelance piece. It's written by a certain Mick Ellis. It's at Mick Ellis on on Twitter, M-I-C-K-E-L-L-I-S. Uh, and I name him for that basis, as you might suddenly realise I'm looking at his, at his Twitter profile. It is, in fact, an herbologist, uh, an herbologist. And, a belie- uh, and a believer in the benefits of uh, plants and the treatment of various diseases and is particularly suspicious of cold generally on the basis of ancient Chinese medicine principles. Now, that's, not all, that's all a bit ad hominem. Um, the core of the article is basically that statistical analysis of the AFL and mm. advanced analytics breakdowns of the AFL are wrong mm. because AFL is a, not a, and this is a quote, uh, the AFL world has almost finished figuring out that football is not a ball sport, but a game of momentum involving a ball. And it makes you real mad, doesn't it? It's real mad. It's mm. so, it goes on to pre- proceed to commit several of the cataclysmic flaws and errors which ridiculous dummies who protest in the name of momentum tend to repeat. Um, 
it uses evidence which says that, well, players are talking about momentum uh, as evidence that momentum is a good understanding of the concept. So we can also look forward to the next article, which says that we really need to start recruiting more religious players so we can get God on our side. It then goes on to say, well, let's look at how Collingwood managed to get the momentum from Richmond late mm. in the game. Of course, if the game against Richmond had ended six minutes earlier, mm. or, or if a ball uh, due to a micro-millimeter difference of someone's boot had gone through from a goal for a goal rather than a behind, then mm. yes, you wouldn't talk about momentum at all because Collingwood would have been a long way behind. They mm. would have come back a bit mm. and then lost. Mm. It's, it's the classic case of it's only discussed where it exists. So... Mm. Or where it can be, where you can say that it does exist. So mm. there's nothing which really said where anyone really talked about. Oh, the way in which North Melbourne's momentum took mm. them to the win against Brisbane uh, against mm. Melbourne when they should have been cruising comfortably after kicking mm. the first five goals to none in the none. game. More than and, that, I think they kicked six or whatever seven. it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, a team that was coming in with momentum in the sense of being regarded as the better team having yeah. achieved more in recent circumstances and then proceeded to play better at the start of the game. The, the idea of momentum was entirely there. If you stop measuring at that point, you say, yes, North Melbourne's momentum. But then Melbourne got the momentum back, but then North took it back as well and then won. Huh? Yeah. Who knows? It's stupid. <laughs> and so, like, we don't discuss Hawthorne's momentum in the Western Bulldogs-Hawthorne clash because Hawthorne have been good. So there's yeah. another explanation to say for it rather than it being simple random variance and chance. It's so random to the extent that the article even tries to dismiss the idea of more tackles inside 50 uh, mm. or, or uh, the difficulties of players managing multiple things at once. It basically is a plea against the confusion of AFL football uh, and claiming that advanced statistics are a way of confusing this idea. And that's just simply bananas of itself. Mm. The idea that strategy and ways all that statistics are is a way of explaining what is going on and demonstrating what is happening on the field. They're not actually a strategy of themselves. You don't go in there saying, ah, yes, well, we win when we kick the ball 150 times a game, no, so let's just no. kick it around until <laughs> until the game is won. <sighs> Bang, over. That's not advanced statistics. That's stupid statistics. It's It gets it puts the cart before the horse. Um, it's this idea that it, it really is cart before the horse, right? Like, it, it says, you know, getting entertaining momentum. Okay, well, what does momentum mean? In the, in the sense of AFL football. It means that you're scoring and your opponent isn't, right? Um, <laughs> that's and, right. And how do, you, how do you achieve and maintain that? Now, to some extent, that's right. Momentum is the word that you may use to describe it. However, um, the, the use of momentum as some holy writ, that uh, it was something that um, Port Adelaide notoriously um, relied heavily on um, as then, an explanation, as yeah. an explanation, yeah, and I don't know that it does. I, I think that you're much better at looking at something like uh, what what Jared Waitley has picked out for um, a much smarter sport brain than mine um, has picked out for uh, his take of how this season is shaping. It's really around ball movement, mm. and if you think about 2013 Port Adelaide, it wasn't momentum that defined them. I mean, they scored a lot, and their opponents didn't. But the way in which they achieved it was through moving the ball at pace and with high skill. And I, I don't think that momentum really provides an explanation for why um, certain plays uh, are more effective than others, certain teams are more mm. successful than others. There's no hook on which to hang anything there other than saying, well, this team was good for this period of time. It doesn't, it doesn't give you a, for instance, 
an analysis of why Hawthorne's ball movement and, and player movement enables them uh, and their, their training and skill in that training um, and coaching enables them to um, perform at a higher level than other teams. I couldn't agree more. The, the, perhaps the crux of it is, is when you get to the end of the article, if you can stomach it that far, it's very long and really very bad. But, and confused. And, and extremely confused. It, it, yeah. it, you can, we don't have time right now to break down the various <laughs> ways in which momentum is used as a concept for different things, being the catch-all that it is. But uh, it says, the next frontier inside the game, in my opinion, will be a more thorough understanding of momentum, how to get it, how not to lose it, and how to arrest your opposition, a.k.a. do things that win do things that don't, how to avoid things that mean that you don't win and how to stop your other team from doing the things that win, a.k.a. the very fundamental of football analysis. So congratulations, <laughs> Mick Ellis, you're an idiot. I mean, oh. he's so mad. For those who, are, who are, want to be about something less mad and want to read about momentum in a sensible way, there was an excellent study published by Stanford University uh, late last year to do with form and the idea of the hot hand which is a kind of momentum, but definitely not in the sense that this article talks about it, which examined baseball statistics in a really interesting way that say that, yes, there is outside, there is excess performance by players at particular mm-hmm. points in time and underperformance as a trend at particular points in time. And that falls in the idea of form or performing well over a period of with which is a, at times controversial, particularly in economics, but uh, uh, ultimately in sport, not too difficult to accept. Yeah. Um, and if you wanted to read something that breaks down all the ways in which momentum is stupid go and read uh the unfortunately dead article on the dead website grantland called momentum uh by bill barnwell where he breaks down the idea of momentum in american football and tends to show yeah. that the precise things that mick ellis idiot is talking about uh, are yeah. not true and, and we'll, we'll have both the good grantland article and the bad guardian article up on the, the show notes um so hop on over oh. to the to the website to um to have a look we might even put them on the Facebook page. Chris, what's the uh, Facebook page? Facebook page uh, is uh, facebook.com slash podcast. Oh, um, give it a like, people. Give it a like. Get amongst yeah. it. It's a, very good, it's a very good little way of keeping up with our idiot thoughts during the week. Mm. Chris, I don't think we'll talk about Fremantle this week. I think that yeah. We've got, to, we've got to draw a line somewhere and uh, they'll, they'll probably, uh, it'll be more interesting to see them after the next two weeks of games and we'll, we'll, mm. we'll mm. focus on them mm. in the weeks to come. But having delivered our very worst take, it's it's time for one of our new sections for this season. Oh yes, yes, we've we've had some good feedback on this, and I'm very excited to pre- to to present uh, round two of the worst item in the club shop uh, review. Um, and this week, uh, we're looking at the worst thing that the Brisbane Lions have for sale. Now, um, Sam, you found a gem. I have found a gem. The first thing that I want to talk about is the lionshop.com.au. Um, a fascinating website which has auto-playing video on the front. So yeah. just when you thought you might pop online at work and grab a, grab a cheeky little jumper for your, for your niece or your nephew for their birthday, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some extremely dramatic music will start playing. Mm. You are suddenly ready to go to war on Normandy. Anyway, I've found a genuine stinker. The Brisbane Lions are selling a signed poster which celebrates their victory in the 2013 NAB Cup. Oh, my gosh. It is personally signed by Daniel Rich, limited in addition to 50 units. It's half a metre wide by basically, it's almost, it's just short of a square, uh, almost half a metre tall. 
Uh, and it is accompanied by a certificate of authenticity. Authenticity. Now, I ask you, I ask you, dear listener, what would be a fair price to pay for this? A thousand dollars, you say? Not so. Six hundred dollars? Not even. Much better bargain. Three hundred ninety-four ninety-nine. Unframed. Unframed. Oh no! It comes with a frame. It comes with oh, a frame, ladies bargain. and gentlemen. Bargain. For this, for this time only, we'll show. We'll chuck in. A frame around your mediocre, disappointing, high midfield draft pick signed poster of a celebration of a season when you proceeded to have a losing record and fire your club legend uh, double Brownlow medalist. Is that's? I mean, it's heartbreaking, really, isn't it? Uh, that is that is some gold content. That, the thing I, I, how the is thing that I not like discounted? about it, I don't know. I don't know. I want it. It's it is still in stock, listeners. So, if you're interested, if you are interested in having a near crotch shot of, uh, it's a very good Rich. hamstring though. It you is... could put that in a doctor's office. Yeah. Look at it ripple. Yeah. Also, the thing that I will say for this is that there's some genuine happiness on the face of the team as they as they're pictured there grasping the nab cup mm. uh, for the preseason. That's got to be one of the last nab cups, right? When did it, the nab think... cup finish? And it's, of course, worth noting that perhaps I'm a bit bitter because they did defeat Carlton. Uh, I think it's 102 to about 60. Uh, and, Daniel, and Daniel Rich won the, won the Michael Tuck medal. Look, what a, what a shocking piece of... What a shocking thing to buy. I guess it's enjoyable. That was, in fact, just so I've got some live research here. Live research. Yep. That was oh, the, that's our brand. Yeah, that is the last uh, year of the NAB Cup. So I actually think it's, it, it presents good value. It might it's go last, up. Yeah. It's actually going to go up in value. Yeah. yeah. When we look back in history at the at the story arc of the mm. NAB Cup, mm. we want to see it at its highest. When the AFL said, "We can't do better than that. Let's not do that again." Yeah. Yeah, and and I've got to say, three hundred and ninety four ninety nine. That's a very specific price. <laughs> that's the we need to get it close well, to four hundred bucks, but we don't want it to look like four hundred bucks. Do you get free shipping? Don't want to find out. I don't. I <laughs> Try don't to think buy you... it. <laughs> no, you, you don't. Oh, no. that's oh. shipping is ten dollars nine nine. No, sorry, it's not ten dollars. It's nine ninety nine. <laughs> that's look. It is not. It's not the most expensive thing they sell in the shop. Um, which is the ninety years of the Brownlow Medal, the highest honor signed to Guernsey. And that's two thousand nine hundred and ninety four dollars ninety nine cents. They love a nut. They love a nine nine four ninety nine. They do. Yep. Yep. That's but that's not really a Brisbane item. That's that's I, maybe yeah, so the most annoying thing. It? Because I reckon they thought that it's going to go up in value. There's a lot of people out there looking to spend almost three thousand dollars <laughs> on a on a jersey and some on a jersey with and forty five signatures. Yeah. Uh, featuring the image of every Brownlow medalist since 1924. Yeah, but only signed by half of them. Um, well, a lot of them might not be around, I think. Getting there, getting there while they're alive, sports fans. Okay, well, the, that's, that's, that's a pretty good one. I'd, I'd like to counter, Sam, if you will, uh, with the neon clock. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is just described as neon clock. Um, and they've said, add some team flair to your room with this Brisbane Lions neon clock. It's a great way to have the time on display and your team's pride too. Is um, that even neon? Is there <laughs> such thing as neon maroon? Well, what is... what? So, 
It's an abysmal photo. Oh my god. Oh, I, yeah. oh, I see it now. You see it. You see it. So the edge around <laughs> it is lit neon, and then it's got chrome-plated plastic for the exterior. Mm. Mm. Um, the team logo is shoved unceremoniously into the middle of the clock so that the hands look like they're punched into the forehead of the lion. Cecil the lion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Paul, been, Brian, Paul Brian's been Brian, Brian the lion's been shot in the middle of the yeah. head with a, with, a, with a timepiece. Yeah. But that's not the worst part. For me, for me, the worst part is that not only does it require one AA battery, which they have not included, <laughs> but it also requires a 1.8 meter power cord for the neon ring. It's <laughs> not very long. It's no one. Think about when you put something on a wall. How high up is it going to be? It's not high enough to reach the ground. <laughs> no, it's not. Where is it going? <laughs> you need an extension cord to hang a clock. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. It's just really poorly thought out. Also. Why not run the light? Why not run the the clock off the power? If you need the neon, <laughs> if you need if you need the one point eight meter oh. power cord, uh, oh, it, so, is of, it is of uh, course for indoor use only. Um, for indoor use only. I think yeah. that's just to stop people from trying to just yell at you in the street as to how yeah. stupid your purchasing decisions are. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad. It's quite bad. Um, All right, Chris, because, well, it's like, decision I, time on the on the. It's decision time. So I'll just, I'll just, let me just justify why I think this yeah. is bad. Um, it's not because, like, the neon on it is bad or that neon clocks themselves are a bad idea. It's just really poorly executed. Whereas I think yours, yours, Sam, is a bad idea masquerading as a, as a quality memorabilia product. Um, and that's why I think that one's going straight in the bin. Yeah, I think it does go straight in the bin. <laughs> if someone gave you the 2013 Nab yeah, cup celebratory poster. Oh. That person doesn't like you. <laughs> I just feel ashamed. Well, <laughs> I'd be ashamed to be a Brisbane fan anyway, but just more shame. Just shame on shame. That does it for another week, listeners. There's a let's just uh actually before we go, before we go, Chris, let's cast our eyes forward. What are we what mm. are we watching this weekend in the AFL? What are what we What are we, we watching this weekend? Um, what are we well, excited for? I'm definitely watching the Geelong Essendon game because I'm I'm hoping they'll uh, Essendon will be on another hiding to nothing. It is at the MCG, uh, so that might be one to actually go and go and watch. Um, oh, look for me, it's for me, it's no for me, it's Sunday afternoon, a beautiful Sunday afternoon at the MCG, mm-hmm. uh, Collingwood Melbourne. Now this has a real this has a real uh, this has potential. some heat to it because it has some heat to it. Yeah, both because... of these clubs need a win. They do. Well, they've, had, they've got a win. just one. But they, they, they've, um, all, they've all looked pretty poor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, there are a number of ex-Collingwood players on the Melbourne list. Um, and there's an ex-Melbourne player on the Collingwood list in Jeremy Howe. So they'll, they'll, I think some uh, tensions might run high there. Tensions but, might run high as they, as they might. Yeah. I've got to say, though, Sam, Saturday is crap football day, officially. It's, there's so, a lot of shit for you going on <laughs> on Saturday. So... If you are a fan of um, one-sided hidings to nothing, um, you've got to wait. You've got four games on offer. So Essendon, Geelong, then Hawthorne, St Kilda, uh, and then you'll, you'll need to picture in picture in that one. And then... Just flip, flip between the two during the yeah. cold breaks. There'll be a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then Gold Coast, Brisbane. 
Q Clash. That might be um, unanswerable. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, well, how many possessions are you thinking Gaz is going to get? Uh, look, over under is 40. 40. I would yeah, not, I'd I would say 40. Best, I, would, yeah. I would not bet less than 40. Yeah. I'll go 43, just to be specific. Yeah. Excess, um, and then... Excessive <laughs> specificity is, of course, necessary when dealing with the Lions. Um, and then Carlton play the Doggies at Etihad. Uh, so that's four, you know, probable one-sided hidings. If you love watching traffic driving in one direction, <laughs> we've got a weekend of football for, <laughs> for you. you. Um, just but tra- then... just watch, for, that's nine hours. <laughs> constant. That's a yeah. constant nine hours. I think you'll see a lot much. of goals kicked, but... Um... Um, Look, there might I be an upset, but yeah, that's... Carlton might lose by 200 points. You think? That's possible. I, oh, I don't know. The, no, I, I, I would suggest you're looking like at... We'll see what happened with Port when Port sort of just stopped mm. halfway through the match. Mm. Um, but, but take uh, that as a starting point. Oh, what would I... How many... How, if Carlton's within 65... 65, you reckon? Yeah, because I think the doggies just run them over late. I think it's, it's gonna be the last half. The last half of that fourth quarter is going to be grim after watching mm. the way that they just spanked two goals into Hawthorne when Hawthorne were really trying to stop them late in the game. Hey, um, hey, what what has been interesting this year is I haven't seen a lot of teams really taking a foot off the off the throat in the last quarter. Port uh, Adelaide did. Uh, yeah, bored. I don't think they actually did though. Like they just they did, but so did Essendon in a way. Like yeah, they 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 increased their margin there. You can get a dollar eleven on the dogs. Sorry, we shouldn't talk about gambling. <laughs> no, but it's a good bet. Folks. Hey, there was a there was a point on uh, there was a point on Saturday, was it when you could get seven dollars fifty on Hawthorne? That's true. Um, that's probably the best best odds you can get on them all season. Um, um, uh, but thankfully, Hawthorne were able to somehow mystically change momentum. Um, <laughs> that that does it, listeners. I hope I hope you I hope your week's filled with momentum. Uh, I hope that you we can carry this great momentum into another top weekend of football. We are the Cellar Dwellers Podcast. Like us on Facebook. Leave grab a subscription off iTunes and leave us another. Sh- astounding five-star review mm, um mm. we are so excited to, to have you listening to this podcast where we're, we're going to keep talking about crap footy chris do you want to say goodbye no okay bye everyone <laughs> bye what do we say when we run out to play dare to feed the bear To feed the bear, we're hot, we're mean, we're strong, we're a team.